I'm going to interrupt the introduction of the hard move this fortnight to ensure that our stance is clear. Black Lives Matter and the voice of people of colour in role-playing games has made and continues to make a better place for us all. As an Australian, I'm careful to not comment too much on the American experience due to my distance, both uh, geographically and politically, but I assure you that even here we're fighting alongside you. More than 400 Aboriginal Australian deaths in custody are too many, and zero police convicted is far too few. It's long past the time that we all took action for solidarity and justice. I stand beside Black Lives Matter, and I share their core tenant. No justice, no peace. I also need to acknowledge here that the five and now six episodes of season two of The Hard Move have been overwhelmingly white. I am taking steps to resolve that now, with a few episodes already booked to record and this sentence here where I'm going to explicitly ask any people of colour who want to get paid to be involved in an episode to DM me on Twitter. And uh, one one more from me, uh, not as a gamer, but as a medic, um, to those of you going out into the streets, stay safe, stick together, drink lots of water. And take care. Take care of yourself and the people around you. This is The Hard Move. Prepare for the worst with us this week as Spencer and I experience new feelings, cry tears in the rain, and discover where we fit in humanity when the abyss stares back. Yeah, then you're like really interrogating that moment moment. using that context. So I'm oscillating between these two emotions in a way that humans don't understand, but... Maybe I'm missing the point, Spencer. Like, maybe maybe <laughs> I'm just a big old dummy. My name is Sydney Chris. My pronouns are they, them, and I'm an RPG designer and descriptivist. I got to know my guest today firstly through other people's reactions to his work, which was a really interesting way to explore someone. For all his gentle kindness, I've never seen anyone impact their players the same way that today's guest does. His current Kickstarter, Alice is Missing, has achieved over 400% of its goal, including my pledge. And as of uh, the release date of this episode, we've probably got about somewhere between 10 and 15 days left. Uh, It's my absolute joy to introduce Spencer Stark. Hello, Spencer. Please uh, tell us who you are and uh, remind us of your pronouns. Yeah, my name is Spencer Stark. Uh, My pronouns are he, him. Uh, I am the designer of Icarus and uh, the upcoming Kids on Brooms and Alice is Missing. I would actually love to talk to you about kids on brooms for like a whole episode too. Yes, I, absolutely. That's one of those stupid ideas where like uh, I saw it and was like, oh, of course. Why did I not think of this? Like, why was this not the first thing that you came know, to my mind? You know, it's it's actually, if, if we want to tangent for a second, it's absolutely. funny how that ended up coming to be because uh, I was um, I was working on uh, a hack for kids on bikes that was kids on brooms and I played it at Big Bad Con Oh God, what two years ago now? And it was just that it was just like my homebrew hack of it. Cause I, I, I played kids on bikes and was like, this would be so easy just to make a broom, make a Harry put on otherwise. And Icarus was happening simultaneously. And the publisher of Icarus, I didn't realize at the time, but was the publisher of kids on bikes. Oh, right. And so, yeah. So, so it's so funny. Cause I brought Icarus to them. We were working together and I was like, you know, I have this crazy idea for like, you know, with kids on bikes for like kids on brooms. And they were, uh, and Ivan, the, the person over, uh, Hunters was like, Oh, they're they're working on that. That's actually a game that they're that that's like the next game they want to do in the line. I was like, oh man. He's like, I'll put you in touch with them. You can work with them. I was like, really? And so it ended up going from this fan made hack to being an actual game that's that was so good. like they put us in. T- I, he put me in touch with the designers, and now Doug and John and I have been working on Kids on Brooms for the last like year. So it's crazy how I went from me being a fan of the work to like me actually being able to make uh, the real 
licensed, you know, uh, product for for the kids on on bike series. So, oh my god, that's amazing! That is yeah, you're, wild. You're so my hero. Um, <laughs> oh, no. um, so things that we love, things that we're really excited about, which is actually this is something that's like really true of you, right? Is that when when I met you. The first thing you did was you came to me and you were like, hey, like, I'm enthusiastic about you. My name's Spencer and, like, I, I, I like your stuff. And it was this really uh, cool moment of, like, shared enthusiasm. And and you and I, like, both love talking about games, which yeah. uh, comes across in everything you make. But when I or when, when uh, you got in touch with me and, and said that, like, you wanted to get involved in this, um, you, like, it was you struggled to pick a move. Yeah, so I, I struggled to choose a move because I think there's so many so many moves that do fascinating things in PBTA games and I wanted to be sure that I was choosing one that had enough meat on it that we could uh, really dive in deep and and the veil was something that has stood out for me uh, to me for so long uh, and the reason why is because the veil is at its core a cyberpunk game but it's a cyberpunk game that examines humanity and the philosophical sort of intricacies of what cyberpunk could be if it was like a philosophy course, I guess, in a, in a way. Like it has this very heady existential vibe that just is unlike any game I've I've ever played or, or read. And and it's just as much an experience for me to, to read it as it is to play it. Um, so that's what was fascinating to me about it. Yeah, so one thing I, I find about um, The Veil, and I do talk more about this in uh, the later episode with uh, Aaron, so I won't go into it too much, but The Veil is wondrous. So when when you hear cyberpunk or like futurism or whatever, you think, and to be a descriptivist, we can look at other PBTA games that have been released, like The Sprawl or similar things like that, which are very core, like visceral um, people on the ground doing stuff cyberpunk. But The Veil is so like heady and wondrous and as you said it's it's as if you played a philosophy course in pbta it, it has that like that level of um poetry almost over, over the whole thing uh, yeah, the, the yeah the, the veil does does so much i think you use the right word right when when talking about the veil it is wondrous it has so many layers to it and just does like it does so much stuff that i, I i've I don't know. I'm just—it's a little bit overwhelming sometimes, right? And I think that's maybe one of the criticisms of it, which I think it's fair to criticize every every game we play, right? Like we should be looking at at all sides of it. And I think one of the things that is that is a criticism of it, but is also a feature of it, is that it is dense. Yes. Uh, and the move that we're going to explore sort of speaks to that density in a in a fascinating way. My my note under like my things I need to challenge Spencer on about this is about like the density of this move, uh, not yeah. just in its in how it's written, but like yeah, I have a lot of feelings about it. Um, yeah. <laughs> so uh, let's pretend that this is the hard move for a second, and can you please read for us uh, the move that you have chosen? Yeah, the move is the abyss stares back when you search the vast accumulated knowledge of the veil or interact with something new in an attempt to understand humanity and what your place may be in it. Roll. On a 10+, plus, you generate two humanity. On a 7 to 9, you generate one humanity. Spend it one for one on the following. Choose an option from the rise move. Ask any question from your special. Or divulge a belief or truth about yourself or your target in order to inflict humanity harm. So there's a couple of things there that we have to reference. Oh and this is what God. we're talking about in density. Yeah. It, it is, there, it's like, hey, choose something from this move or choose something from this move. And so it like is this cascading sort of effect or do this thing that's really intimate about yourself in order to do harm. And 
I don't know. Should we go into what the rise and what the special moves yeah, are? Yeah, yeah. So I just okay. I want to touch on them. So like one of the first things I want to bring up is that when it says humanity, it both yeah. uses uh, small h humanity as in like the nature of humans existing in the world and also capital H humanity and economy for the playbook. Uh, yeah. Which is a pain in the ass, but an understandable <laughs> one. Um, right, right, right. Yeah. So, like, uh, let's talk about this rise move. I don't really want to like get too deep into it, but like, sure. Actually, what is it? Yeah. So, rise basically you draw. You, you can uh, consume humanity, and it's a move in, in its in its own. But like, basically, you consume consume humanity to either unlock an emotion because, as the apparatus, you only start with one emotion. Uh, you only start with one stat, and so you can use it to like unlock a unlock another stat that represents a part of human uh, that represents an emotion that you didn't have before. Um, you can gain advantage, or you can have the MC ask you a question from the birth move, which is again another cascading effect here. And the birth move is just like it's a question like who created me, or is there any anything else out there like me, or like what is my purpose. Was I discarded or unwanted? Like these sort of really evocative questions. Um, yeah, it's wild. It's not. It's not a move like I've ever, I've ever played with before. Oh boy. Yes. Okay. So like. Um, <laughs> okay. So let's let's start off with like what the apparatus is because we need to talk sure. about that. We need to talk about because this move importantly is a core move for the apparatus. That is, when you make an apparatus, you get this move. Uh, it's not one that you choose. It is one that defines a character. So like, what is the apparatus? Yeah, so so they give a really interesting sort of description of the apparatus, uh, but but essentially what it means is like you don't know how you came into the world, you don't understand humanity. You're like this newly awakened life form that's struggling to understand who and what it is. Uh, you're sort of defined as artificial intelligence, um, but you have to acquire new information to be able to like find your place in the world, and 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 understand your own. Uh, your own existence, like what are you meant to do? Uh, and so that's really fascinating in and of itself that you're sort of coming in as a as a blank slate. For me, the game feels like it's as much a a piece of experimental art as it is a game. If that makes sense, like it's as yeah. much an experiment in how games work and mm-hmm. what games can do, and it's throwing all of these ideas at the wall. And it, 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 I think what's so fascinating to me about it is that it sort of feels like Blade Runner to me, in that. Blade Runner, if you watch it now, is like just experimental and sort of wild and out there. And like it has this weird sort of atmospheric thing going on that doesn't quite feel like a movie in ways. Mm. And I think a lot of that came out of, you know, there was all this sort of stuff that happened during production that made it really hard to make. But like I think the end result was very much an, an atmospheric movie as opposed to like a three act movie. Right. Yes, and and yes. this feels very much like that where it's it's almost less for me anyways, it's almost less about like the game being played and more about the game being understood as a piece of art that reflects a genre. And that in and of itself is so wild, like absolutely bonkers. Uh, and so, so I appreciate it on that level, <laughs> which is a weird thing to say about a game, but like, I don't know. There's something fascinating about that, that, that ability to create a game that feels as much like experimental art as it does uh, interactive fiction. Uh, yes. Yes. I mean, I think that, oh, I, 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 so fundamentally, (laughs) I understand what you're saying. 
And yeah. I agree with you. I agree with you about what you're saying about the veil. Um, it reminds me a lot of uh, Ghost in the Shell, where there's just like that three and a half minute tracking shot of the city. Um, and, and that's kind of where a lot like the, of the veil lives with for me, where it's not actually about the characters. It's about this weird philosophy that exists within the text. And for me, as someone who believes that games, that the reason we design games is because we want players to have input into what happens and like we want players to influence the opinion that like we want games to have an opinion but not a point because then (laughs) players can influence that opinion uh that is where i rub most the wrong way on like moves like the abyss stairs back which like yeah so let's let's talk about the fictional trigger because the fictional trigger (laughs) does lean into what i'm talking about here so there are two halves to this fictional trigger the first is when you search the vast accumulated knowledge of the veil, the veil being like the internet, right? Like the, yeah, the, yeah. the, the AI the, overlay. Yeah, the the what is that? Uh, AR sort of alternate. Yeah, like the, the the internet that's been put into reality. Yes, yes, yes. Um, so when you search the vast accumulated knowledge of the veil, or when you interact with something new in an attempt to understand humanity and what your place may be in it. Uh, like what? What are your what are your initial thoughts on that fictional trigger? I have I have a yeah. lot of feelings. It's uh, I feel like it's it's a it's a trigger that it's a trigger that is almost solely done by the player in that they are the one who probably has to call for that to happen. Um, so if they're not paying attention, I don't feel like this move ever triggers. Mm. Um, you really have to lean into what kind of you really have to lean into being uh the apparatus to be able to trigger this move, which is like, you don't understand stuff about the world and your goal is to figure it out. And um, your goal is to gain humanity. And that's weird and, and and fascinating and also confusing, but in a way that I is just like engaging to me in some way. I don't know. It's I, I hear exactly what you're saying. And I think that all the reasons that I think for all the reasons that that, that is more difficult to put into play that's what makes <laughs> yes. it more interesting to me as a move yeah, Do you know absolutely. what i mean absolutely so like for me it is just so as we said before like dense with poetry like yeah you don't you don't it's not it's not when when like you interacted something new it's not when you discovered a new piece of technology it's when you interacted something new in an attempt to understand humanity and your place right. in it like that is that is a huge that is a really weird fictional trigger to have because it's not usually visible at the table like right. the verb in this is not interacting. The verb is understanding, and that is yeah. not a very active verb that we see in characters, which is super cool. I talk yeah. a lot about um, lead moves and follow moves, in that there are moves that are like um, moves like um, oh, I need a really good example. Okay, moves like in brain puppet strings, where uh, from Apocalypse World, where you do it because it's on your sheet and you say to yourself, oh, I really want to do this move, so I'm going to work right, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and follow moves are like the, you know, do battle or seduce or manipulate. It's like when you do a thing and then someone says, oh, wait, but like we're triggering this move back here. Like, hold up yes. a second, come back. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and this is very much like a lead move in that at no point, in play, do you stop and say, "Are you attempting to understand humanity?" Like it sounds like you're tra- like <laughs> right. the, pa- the paperclip. You yeah. know, it sounds like you're yeah, trying yeah. to understand humanity. Oh my god, <laughs> um, so funny! That is, oh god, I need to play an apparatus that is clippy. Um, that that is like <laughs> this. This move is on the sheet and is given to the apparatus because it says, "Look, you want to be an apparatus. You want to get like 
um, self-indulgent and, and masturbatory about like whether like oh where do you fit in humanity this just gives you yeah. a move that says when you get self-indulgent about where you fit in humanity <laughs> you get to roll a move and yeah totally that's beautiful like i think that is really useful <laughs> yeah it's it's a weird move and and it does that it does that thing that um that happens every once in a while in this genre where ai are asking questions about what they mean to the world and i think that's something that we see in fiction a lot like we see that in books we see it in movies a lot where there are these conversations between players where they're like but what but what am i right like like what like what makes me different from you and those are sort of the emotional beats that i am drawn into during cyberpunk genre fiction Mm-hmm. Um, and this move basically says when you want to have that conversation, roll. Yeah. Okay. Right. That makes a lot of sense. So, so that's sort of how I see this engaging in the fiction is like it's almost a downtime move in a weird way. Um, it's I'd not quite that. downtime, but it's yeah, but it's but it's like it's when you're having a conversation with another player and you want to use that interaction to learn more about yourself. Um, yeah. Right. So one thing I wanted to talk about in this was the. The distinct mix of uh, I ended up settling on timeliness, and I'm not sure if I love that term. So, like, <laughs> okay. hit, hit me up if you have something different. You said sure. that, that this feels like a, a downtime move, and I understand that. But I also think this is a move that can come up during like active play and active conversation. So there is the downtime part of this move, which is like um, ap- apparatus. Uh, let me scroll up and find a name for an apparatus. Two <laughs> B. Two B is a really good name for an apparatus. Um, yeah, it is. And oh god, that's from uh, Near Automata, I think. Which uh-huh. uh huh. As well. So um, two B. Uh, what are you doing while everyone else is off um investigating the veil and doing other stuff? What What are you doing? Oh, uh, I guess I'm gonna like search the vast accumulated knowledge of the veil to like figure out where I came from. Like I'm gonna look for um references to my serial number or something. Yeah. Cool. You get to trigger the move. But there's also um, someone pulls a gun on you and, like, points it in your face. Oh, it sounds like I'm interacting with something new in an attempt to understand humanity and what my place in it will be. <laughs> right, and, and you only have joy as an emotion. Exactly, so- <laughs> exactly. So, like, oh, that's, oh, my God, that's, that is actually really strong. So, that's what I love about The Abyss Stairs Back is that it has, it, it, it lets the apparatus engage with it at all times. This move never takes itself off the table. There's a lot of, like, I actually want to talk about um, the beauty and also the frustration that I have in how uh, how weirdly that can throw the game. So, uh, mm-hmm. I, I want to roll back to my example of yeah. <laughs> someone someone pulls a gun on the apparatus and you say, I'm going to interact with that new in an attempt to understand humanity. Like, that's a, that's a beautiful <laughs> moment. Um, I will ask a question for my special. And so the the stakes of the moment and the conflict of the moment is like someone has has pulled a gun on you and you as the apparatus turn to the person who's holding the gun and you say like what purpose does humanity serve and that is that is great that is a really cool moment <laughs> that is beautiful but like you are fundamentally playing a different game at that point like, yeah well i think i think what's interesting too there is in that kind of example if i was playing the apparatus i might actually ask like have you ever ended someone's life yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, right? You- and so then it's like, yeah, then you're like really interrogating that moment, that moment. using that context. Yes. But the the move, okay, this is this is this is probably my core issue with the move and I will keep coming sure. back to it so it's time to come out <laughs> now. Um the move does not direct that. Totally. 
this is this is not a move like I've seen in other games for better or worse. Oh, it is wholly unique. And so like, yeah, so I don't know. There's there's that push and pull for me of like it's intriguing because mm-hmm. it's so open and it asks it demands of me that I make those choices and it makes me go like, okay, what do you what do you think is right to do here in this situation? It doesn't guide me like other moves do. And I think I really appreciate when moves do that. And that's one of the things, like you said, that's one of the things I I adore about PBTA moves. Um, yeah. So when a move comes along and doesn't, it challenges that notion for me uh, in, in a fascinating way. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think that, like, it does exist well as, like, a comparative move to... And, and again, because it's a it's a playbook move, like, if you don't want to engage with these challenges that I'm talking about, you just don't have to play that playbook. Like, it's, right. <laughs> it's totally... Uh, I think I said before that it was self-indulgent, and it is. And, like, if you want to engage with the Abyss Stairs back, it's there on the playbook and you can do it. And, like, it, nothing forces you. Because, again, one of the beautiful things about, as you said, it being a player-directed trigger is you choose when the Abyss Stairs back, which yeah. is a cool amount of control. I, I do want to talk, however, about these results. Because on a 10+, plus you generate two humanity. On a 7-9, you generate one humanity, capital H humanity, spend it one for one. Um Using humanity instead of hold there is, like, a beautiful bit of poetry, and I love it, and, like, it interacts with Rise because you consume your humanity and a lot of stuff. But also, basically what it's saying is you generate hold, and then yeah. you can, you can <laughs> yeah, do you one of these two, hold one. Yep. Yeah. Uh-huh. hold two, hold one. Yeah, hold two, hold one. G'day, movers and shakers. For the mid-roll this fortnight, we're going to be doing something a little bit different. Uh, We're going to listen to a clip of a conversation that Spencer and I have where we just start talking about Alice is missing in the middle of this recording. Uh, It actually gets... uh, it's It's in the Patreon cut. Uh, in its entirety, and it's really worth listening to if you have any questions about the game. Um, but uh, this was just too good not to insert into this bit. Uh, so it's here if you want the rest of it, patreon.com slash the heart move. Um, one of the things I really need to talk to you about, uh, Spencer, is Alice is Missing, because my experience with it was uh, I was at Big Bad Con, and everyone was talking about a bunch of different games, and then something happened. And a session occurred, and for the next five and a half hours of my life, all anyone wanted to talk to me about was Alice is Missing. Uh, well, first of all, uh, I, I'm, I'm so glad that, that you got the, the buzz from it. It was interesting because I didn't know whether I was even going to bring it to the con. So it's all happening organically through text messages between the players, and clues are sort of being revealed at certain times and there's a there's a timer going that has a soundtrack that plays and there's sort of all these pieces that um uh that have to work in tandem that have to work like like cogs right Mm -hmm. uh to be able to make the thing function and one of my favorite things about the game too you are playing via text message and you're playing in a group chat but um where i think it really shines is that you can jump out of that group chat and you've renamed all of your contacts to be all the player, or all the character names. Pearl kept talking to me about, uh, she just kept saying, like, you know, there was this moment where she could just, like, break away from it and then say to someone, like, I don't trust this this character and, like, have that side conversation in, in this really beautiful yeah. way. And, like, that that feels to me very, like, um, it, it feels like millennial, like, mean girls, right? Like, it feels the way that we communicate <laughs> to people, like, having group chats and side chats and all that sort of stuff. It feels yeah, very honest. Yeah, and it, and it, it, thank you. And, and, and that's kind of what I was hoping to capture with it was like, how do we tell a modern version of that classic kind of story, right? Like this, this story, we see it in Stranger Things. We see it in like, 
life is strange. We see it in all, where like a child goes missing and we're all friends trying to find that person. Mm-hmm. But what's interesting, what, what, what I wanted to capture with it is emotionally. Mm-hmm. How does that feel? Uh, like the mystery is just as important as the relationships and the conversations that are happening um, around that mystery. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's funny. There's a uh, there's a moment in a game a couple of sessions ago where me and somebody else were off the bat. One of our relationships was that we didn't get along with each other. Um, and so uh, I sent the message basically saying that I was back in town. I was looking for Alice, wondering where she went and like or wondering if anybody had heard from her or whatever. And the very first thing the person did was send me a gif of somebody pulling a middle finger out of their pocket and just waving it and then putting it back. And I was like, all right, it's going to be that kind of game, huh? <laughs> and that moment like, was so was so quintessential group text and so quintessential like teenager that it grounded me. Fellow fans of The Hard Move, this is Sean Fager, and I'd like to recommend you check out the 200-word RPG challenge. Found at 200wordrpg.github.io, it has, at the time of this recording, a five-year backlog of hundreds and hundreds of tabletop RPGs, each of which takes about three minutes to read. If you want to see a practical study of how to craft dense, play-driving mechanics, you could do a lot worse. That's 200wordrpg.github.io. <laughs> um, I want to talk about about those as a thing because, like, we do go through like, okay, well, I'm going to choose an option from the rise because, again, fundamentally, I believe that you're not doing this move if you have something in mind. You're doing this move because you want to engage with like the philosophy and the poetry of this move. Um, yeah. So you look at it and you make your choice about the questions. It's not something you go into saying, "Oh, I know how this is going to resolve." So uh, I'll choose an option from the rise move. Uh, I'll, I'll ask a question from the birth move, and you do yeah. that, and then you answer this giant question about the character, like, uh, "Was I only recently created, or was I meant to emulate humanity?" That's a really nice one. Um, and then, and then we go back and we have to do it again because we've now got a second humanity. And I right. kind of want to talk about like what success and success with cost is about this move um probably more pointedly i want to talk about how the seven to nine doesn't have a cost but i'm i'm interested first in hearing like your overall thoughts on the 10 plus and seven to nine results for this move yeah uh so i think that that you hit it sort of right on the head that you're generating humanity and you're generating if you generate two of it suddenly you're in this weird space where you're like i have so much that I can do here with it. You have a lot of power there in, in learning about yourself and asking questions. And I think that power comes with, uh, a real challenge. Um, I think it's a very challenging move for the player to then go, okay, well, am I going to unlock a new emotion? Um, and well, then why am I unlocking a new emotion? Well, maybe I'm, maybe I'm learning something about myself through this situation. Uh, Yeah. This is the first time I feel powerful right this right is, so then I, yeah yeah so then so then you're like okay well maybe i'm yeah maybe i'm engaging with my apparatus special and i'm asking do you feel you truly have free will and when somebody answers no then i add uh then i add scared as my state see that is where i'm interested that's that's cool i love that's that. where i feel like it engage but again it takes 
understanding, I think it takes understanding the move and knowing what you want to do with the move to be able to trigger it to do those things. And, and when you get there, Ooh. like you have those really fascinating sort of moments as the apparatus where you're, you're gaining humanity, you're gaining things about the world because of the questions you're asking about humanity. But on its surface, it doesn't, it doesn't really tell you to do that. It doesn't no, lead you to do that, no, no, but no. it gives you the ability to do it. And so when, uh, when I played this, cause I played the apparatus, um, when I, when I played the veil and that was the moment for me, I, I, exactly what I just told you was, I mean, I think it was a different question, but it was something like that where like, yep. I realized, oh, this is the cascade. This yes. is why this move works the way it does, because I can learn something about the world and then open up a new part of myself because of it. So I wanted to talk about like the snowball, right? About like yeah. how uh, I, I believe that one of the coolest things that PPTA moves can do is like this, the snowball and a really great example of that, <laughs> which exists in um, the hard move backlog is the take a powerful blow one and how like, yes. when you take a powerful blow, you can then roll it into provoke and you can then roll that into like unleashing your powers and doing all this like different stuff. And it's, and it's beautiful. It's really good for that. Um, yeah. With the abyss stairs back, there are snowballs in here, but they are hidden. They, yes. they do not um, divulge themselves to you too quickly in in a way that is, like, really uh, frustrating, I guess, to me. Because, like, I want... And, and this... I Look, this is probably some implicit bias stuff that I need to examine in my <laughs> own play. But I want moves to, like, scream their point to me. I don't... Uh-huh. Like... W- uh, and and this is this is not pointedly to to Fraser, who I think is an excellent designer. Um, certainly the best at genre emulation in PBT at the moment. Uh, but I will say, like, why is this move making me do the work? Like, I I gave you thirty dollars for this book. Do the work for me. Yeah. Uh, is is one feel? Um. So I guess I guess my question is if if the interesting stuff to you, if the bits that are like really engaging you are. When you have two humanity and you get to do a thing and then you get to use the second humanity to, like, choose the consequences for that or the result of that, right? So, as you said before, you know, you you um, you um ask someone a question and their answer unlocks a new state, which which requires two humanity. Um, you don't yeah, get to, like, yeah. do that. Um, how, how do you, like, how does the seven to nine then interact with that as, like, a... So, one of the things that seven to nines tend to do in PBTA games is they tend to generate more fiction by creating consequences or leaving um, success open so that you like have to then work towards more of it. So how does only generating one humanity then like engage with that, I guess? Totally. And and uh and I, I don't have a good answer off the bat. I'm gonna I'm gonna read through some of this and sort of examine that from that perspective. Mm-hmm. I think that um Looking at it, right, we, we look at what the rise move does and, and it, it might allow you to like gain advantage or have the MC ask you a question from the birth move, but it doesn't, you only get to do one of those things. So that answer doesn't actually unlock anything inside of you or like with the specials. Um, you know, you might get to ask one of these questions, but you don't get an advantage because you've gained information there. Of course, there are ways that, you know, the seven to nine, if, if we were to revise the move that we could plug in some things that give us uh, uh, some more concrete sort of um, Cost. costs. Yeah. To, to, to what, to that mixed success. Um, but I do think by offering you questions, but no answers or answers, but no, or, or answers, but no uh, real change within yourself. 
Mm. When that's the whole point of this character is to discover who you are and where you come from. Um, that's, I feel like the cost that, that drives it, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. It does. It does. And I think, I think you're touching on something there, which is beautiful, which is about like different axes of consequence and for the kind of person who plays the apparatus for the kind of person who wants to be self-indulgent throughout play who wants to explore the nature of humanity who wants to who wants to answer all these questions and get all these things and unlock all these states being able to do like one without the other is a consequence like it if you're the kind of person who um picks the fighter or the in cyberpunk the street samurai (laughs) or whatever and like your solution is use sword on gangster like (laughs) you probably won't read it the same way but the kind of person who wants to play an apparatus is going to find um unlocking angry but not knowing is angry one unlocking mad no yeah mad unlocking mad but not knowing why they unlocked it to be a consequence yeah and 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 yeah totally because because then you're gaining this emotion and you're like but i don't understand what this emotion is yeah i, I don't, don't know where what it fuels from. it yes 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 i don't understand why i feel it i and importantly <laughs> i don't understand like if i have a plus two in mad i don't understand why i'm good at it like it, yes it's and that's that's actually really cool the that the abyss stairs back is a move like for people who want to rest on indulgent poetry and therefore its only cost is in indulgent poetry it's not it's not going <laughs> to cost you by being like for these people you do not want to say it it costs you two cred sticks and a uh, <laughs> and you take one harm like no one yeah. no one who plays an apparatus is going to care about that right 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 yeah no th- what they care about is is that self-indulgence and um it's fascinating just having played this character i mean you're you know, you go through the, for me anyways, my experience with it was like, I was there with a bunch of other people who were playing and we were sort of doing, you know, we were going on, uh, uh the, you're doing the normal cyberpunk kind of m- missions and things. And then all of a sudden there'd just be this moment of like self-reflection and you sort of fall into that, uh, fall into that well of like looking at yourself and what, where you are and why you're doing this. And you can only feel joy and, and scared. And it's like, so I'm oscillating between these two emotions in a way that humans don't understand, but I'm, and I see them having these emotions. Right. And so then like some of those triggers are, I'm even observing somebody being sad. That's something um, new. Yeah. Is something new. So then I could go, if I'm watching somebody cry about something, then that is engaging with something new. I could trigger this move and, and possibly gain that emotion. Yeah. Right. But then not understand what the emotion is. Just know that I watched it. And I'm recreating it, <laughs> right? It's Not so understanding good. where it comes from or what the context is or anything, but just adding it to my repertoire. Which is where my next question is going to come in for you, Spencer. <laughs> sure. Which is, we have talked a lot about how, as the apparatus, you make this move work. As an MC, if I have an apparatus player who, because this move is so difficult, is not engaging with it in a way that satisfies them, either because they're struggling to hit the trigger or they're struggling to have the resolutions um, resolve for them the problems that they that they have with the character. How can I help them? Because we've we already said right at the start, this this trigger is so player controlled. It is like it is totally about how you uh, internally and introspectively engage with the world around you. So, how as an MC do you help an apparatus that's struggling with this? 
uh, I think this is a, a really important I think this is a, a really important thing to discuss as somebody who would like to run the veil to experience more of it, uh, but I'm afraid that players won't be able to engage with it because it's so heady and dense. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, one of the things that, that looking at the move itself, I, I think that the, the when you search the vast accumulated knowledge of the veil, I think that's something that has to be triggered by the player. Um, most in most cases is probably triggered by the player, but interact with something new in an attempt to understand humanity and what your place may be in it. I think that's something that could be that you could put the apparatus in a specific situation to uh, to sort of egg that on and then ask them if they're doing that. Right. And just sort of like ask them if that's the way if 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 this situation is something that they've uh, in their short time alive have experienced before. And if it yes. isn't, then that's yeah. a place you can go, okay, well, the Abyss Stairs Back might trigger for you here. Would you like yeah. it to? And, and, I, and um, I think it's really important that you don't lead them too far down that tunnel because totally. this is a move that is about introspection, is about understanding yourself. And, like, if as the MC you say, well, the Abyss Stairs Back might trigger for you, how about how about you roll that? And then, oh, why don't why don't you ask something from your special? Like, it's, <laughs> it's not going to generate any understanding of the self. Uh, yeah. I think I think what you've pointed out is exactly right, which is like just ask them every time something happens that like it might be new. Just just ask yeah. them. Has and, this ever happened think, before? <laughs> right, right. I think that question of like, have you ever experienced this before? Yeah, and uh, it might trigger. The, and then and then what I what I hope would happen is that after a period of time, they'll start to ask themselves that question because you're asking them that question, um, and they'll start to you know, and 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 I think too that like this is one of those playbooks that might benefit from doing one session and understanding if you like that character or not and allowing somebody to change characters if they don't because playing an ai in a general sense is very different from playing an apparatus yes so this is something that comes up a lot when we talk about the veil is you say to people hey do you want to play a cyberpunk game and they say yeah like i'd love to play a cyberpunk game i'm going to be the the driver who like has a uh um, rig jack into my Camaro and like that's not what the veil's about like the veil yeah. is about this like uh, figuring out where you fit in the world and that really deep poetic esoteric philosophical all these words we've used uh, in our <laughs> description like you know the the um, the playbooks aren't the fighter, the rogue, the 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 tech wizard. It's like the attached and the empath and the doomed and like yeah, these it, yeah, really beautiful yeah. things. I mean, it's tears and tears and rain, right? It is like, tears and rain. Yeah, that's what that's kind of what the what, where this game lies is <laughs> is in those tears and rain moment, you know. Uh, so anyway, it's yeah, it's it definitely it definitely is a specific type. You have to have a specific type of person, I think, to to want to engage with those things mm-hmm. and, and if you find the right player for that yeah. um it can be really powerful and if you don't i think as as a as an mc it's important that you mm, that you check in with them right and make sure that's the that's the character they want to keep playing that's the archetype that they're interested in because a lot of times people just pick up a playbook and be like oh it's a, it's a robot i'll be a robot um, and, yeah. and that but, might not be yeah. where this benefits. And I mentioned before that this is like the aardvark move, right? It's the it's yeah. the alphabetically first playbook. It's the one that sits uh-huh. on the top of the stack, and it's the move at the start of that. So, like, 
yeah, if you're just the person that goes, I don't really know about Cyberpunk, I'll just grab this top one. one. Yeah, I'll play a robot. <laughs> I can play a robot. You know, I maybe I'm missing the point, Spencer. Like maybe maybe I'm just a big old dummy. Maybe I'm just a big no, old dummy no, who's no, bad no. at games. That's definitely on the table. <laughs> Never. But like that sounds awesome. Why why not just write a move that does that? Like that's <laughs> that's what really frustrates me. Is it, sure. it so maybe maybe I'm not the right person for like the apparatus or whatever, but like <laughs> I also feel like as much as as much as I do love it as as an idea, um I kind of hmm what like <laughs> See, this is what this is why I like the yeah. move. Yeah, yeah. This is why I like the move because it makes us talk about it, it and look, that's it fascinating it to me. It is doing something that not not a lot, if like um, not many, if any, I don't know anybody that is doing <laughs> a move like this. And I think I think there is a fundamental reason why people are not writing moves like this. But I also <laughs> think that it has value for existing, and I, and I'm glad that it does. Like I'm glad that this rests <laughs> on the page. Yeah, um, that's oh, it. Yeah, this is this is not one of those moves that I'm going to walk away from this conversation being like, oh, okay, how do I then write that into my next thing? No, yeah. The big, the big takeaway for me is going to be like, okay, this is a move for the kind of person that wants to play the apparatus. So, what I need to do is if I'm making a playbook that is about X, I need to have a move that, like, does X, that does X to such a degree that people that, like, that want to do it will get right into it. The Hard Move was created by Matthew Grablin and is hosted and produced by me, Sydney Akris. You can follow the show on Twitter at The Hard Move and find bonus content, including full-length episodes at patreon.com forward slash The Hard. Music is by Nick Gravelin. You can find his work at nickgravelin.com. You can follow Spencer on Twitter at Spencer Stark with an E and get onto Kickstarter for Alice is Missing. You've got until our next episode drops before it finishes and you absolutely do not want to miss your chance. Content featured in this episode is from The Veil, written by Fraser Simons and published by Sanjoko. Mark Experience.